Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rise and Flow podcast, hosted by Raycon and Gabe Estrada of Inkflow Law Group, a law firm dedicated to creators, artists, and small business owners. This podcast is all about sharing the stories and journeys of different creative disruptors in varying industries that showcase the rising tide of individual pioneers in our new fractionalized creator economy. On today's episode, we're talking digital marketing and social media trends with our special guest, Dana Castillo. Dana is the Senior Manager of Trends and Youth Culture at The Narrative Group, a pretty dope title if you ask me, and shares with us a little bit about her roles and responsibilities, as well as her journey through the internet as a digital marketer and recent Webby Award winner. I'm really excited to share this podcast with y'all. Dana truly is just an awesome individual, and on many of our one-on-one calls, she's usually giving us master class on all things digital marketing and social media marketing when we're supposed to be giving her legal advice. But anyways, we hope you like it. And without much further ado, let's dive into it. Dana, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much. We've been looking forward to this for a while now. We know we talked about this for for a minute and it's been a lot of hoops and obstacles to get the schedule because we're all busy people. But thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to jump on a call with us and our audience. And yeah, want to jump right into it. We know, but I don't know if our audience are aware you just want a, we- a Webby, right? So I did. You, uh, if you take a chance, can you explain what a Webby is and what category you want your Webby in and a little background on how? Yeah. But yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, happy to be here, you guys. I've been totally looking forward to being on your podcast since you guys announced that you had one. So I recently won a Webby. It is back here. My Webby next to my Wally. So I want a Webby for people's voice in the social media category. And I want it with Tumblr for running their socials through the end of 2022 and essentially clapping back at Elon Musk in the funniest way possible. And it was voted on by users. So it wasn't just that their voting panel decided it was funny. It was kind of like all of the internet decided it was funny. So it's a really big deal. I like to say that it's the equivalent of winning like a Grammy. If it was in music, it's kind of like the Grammy of the internet is the Webby. So really excited. Nice. And how did you like, how did you even get notified? Like, how does that process even happen? So it's a self-nomination process. Mm -hmm. It was actually submitted by Tumblr, who I was working with as a freelance client at the time, submitted the entry and we were up against Stephen Colbert, like the late show, Trevor Noah. So it was really a big deal to even be nominated and being next to these amazing comedians. But to win in a comedy category next to those nominees is just amazing. Unbelievable, really. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. Congratulations to that. Yeah, I mean, super, like a big congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. And that's one of the things that, I mean, we know about you and we always chat every time we, we jump on a call, we talk about this because you're like the queen of the internet. I mean, you know, every trend, everything that's going on. How did you kind of get into that space? Like, how did you make that a job? So it's, it's been a long time coming. Actually, I have always been a terminally online person. I've been on the internet since I was in high school, which is many moons ago for me. MySpace in its heyday, just being terminally online and just knowing every facet of the internet as it's happening. But then also it's just grown ever since I was like a teenager. And when I was coming up, the internet as a job like this didn't even really exist. Even with what I do now, with which is a lot of I specialize in digital marketing and I primarily focus on Gen Z trends and Gen Z subcultures and trend spotting within the digital space. This job didn't exist like four or five years ago. So it's really just that I've been online for my entire life. I've been paying attention in a really obscure and like almost annoying way. I don't want to. I don't want to say that like the internet is annoying, but like the terminally online, just like deep in the ether of the internet is not something that everyone is able to do. And it's almost just having an encyclopedic knowledge of what's trending on the internet now and what's previously trended before 
and just using all of the information that I have to predict what's going to happen in the future, but then also pay attention to trends that are currently happening and figure out the longevity of them, what's happening, what's happened before, and just like, I don't know, just be, I'm just on the internet. I, I like to position myself as like Dana, your friend on the internet. That's how I usually describe you as well. <laughs> as you know, we have all this hours with our monthly subscribers like every week. Today, we were literally talking to them and we brought you up because Vanessa was on, who's also into, she's into web design and marketing as well. And we were just like, hey, guess who we're jumping on a podcast with later today? Dana. And there's other people on the call. And we were trying to explain to them what you do. I always go with the terminally online situation. Like she's just, that's what she says her title is. Yeah. But in a more formal sense, what is your title? And what is the roles and responsibilities that you're taking on for your clients or that the work you're doing just for people who are interested in the digital marketing space or people want to get into it or just curious about what you're up to. We'd love to know more, a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I currently work with an agency. I work with the narrative group, which is a subdivision of a global marketing agency called We Are Social. I primarily work within their entertainment division, but I do work with like multiple clients with them. I'm their senior manager of trends and news culture, which is an unusual title. It doesn't really exist in too many spaces outside of our own agency. And what that means is I'm really just in charge of trend spotting, keeping an eye out for those terminally online things, and then figuring out how it applies to the brands that we work with. And previous to that, I did my, I had my own business called Dana Does. And I was freelance for about three years when I got, I was really serious about it for three years. But even before that, I was doing digital marketing in a less serious way with more casual clients, with my friend's bands and my friend's record labels and things like that. Really just cutting my teeth in marketing and taking anything I could that sounded interesting that anyone would allow me to play with. So that's actually how I got my start was just kind of right place, right time with the combination of just being a terminally online person, plus having a small business that was like, we don't care what you do. Like, oh, are people going to see this? Great. Yeah, do whatever. And really just turn that into a career. And looking back, that was like seven or eight years ago. And it was really just trial and error. And now it's a full-blown career. And it's kind of my favorite thing ever. And that's so cool. And and the one thing like you got to remember too, is that, I mean, you know, the, the whole terminally on, you know, on the internet thing, I mean, in reality, I mean, and hear me out here, you're actually a popular culture historian <laughs> because that's really what it comes down to because look what, what happened and look, I, I, I studied history for undergrad. That was my thing. Right. And one of the, the angles and one of the views to look at history is actually through pop culture because it's, it's almost raw. It's unfiltered. It's the people's history. And you could go back to like, you know, NWA's like, fuck the police or like, you know, I don't know, strange fruit or something, you know, like all these, these popular culture songs that we're talking about what was currently happening in just society. And it's kind of the same thing. It just shifted from, you know, kind of just the records to now online. So I, I see you more as a popular culture historian. That's going to be how I'm going to describe you from now on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally. Uh, I like to think of it in more serious terms because it is really easy to discount pop culture as being like trendy or not serious. But yeah, I like to think of it as cultural anthropology because it is really a language of how people are interacting with each other and how people are communicating and just the, the ease and quickness to have new ideas and spread them and get them out really quickly. Memes count, like memes count as language okay. and it, it's very current and it's easily accessible. It's accessible to anyone and it's such an easier and faster way to get knowledge across. Whereas before there were higher barriers to entry if you're trying to write a book or write an album like anybody can make memes and have an opinion and spread it quickly yeah and powerful yeah. and then I, I mean and tying all that in like 
how important it is, but also that you love it, right? Yeah. Just think back, like we're, you know, especially like our generation, right? Like people born from like 1984 to like 1995. Like it's a, forget what they call, we talk about this a couple of times, but there's a certain label for that generation where we grew up in a world kind of like before the internet as children. And we grew up with the developing technologies over time. And, you know, having our parents who never grew up with that, like that type of technology and like make fun of us if we were like, uh, like on the internet too much or like on the computer too much. And like, you know, that's not help you get a job in the real world. You should be studying and things like that. But here we are where people like kids want to be YouTube stars now because I can actually make more money being a YouTube star than going and getting themselves a bunch of debt to become a doctor, whatever it may be. Right. Um, and that's a legitimate career because it's still an entertaining career. It's educational based sometimes. And yeah. And also the fact that you love what you do is really exciting as well, because, you know, I was that nerd as well, who was like always on the computer and trying to figure out things and just like on the internet. So I have like bravo to that. <laughs> I mean, thank you so much. I, I read an article recently. I might've seen a TikTok, but I might've read an article that said that more children are interested in being content creators than astronauts when they grow up. Oh. And that's in, that's crazy to me. And then another statistic I saw said that Gen Z is more likely to hope Mr. Beast will show up and pay their debts than winning the lottery. <laughs> and it's probably more realistic. It's probably correct? more realistic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, speaking of of kind of that that shift, right? In in just culture in general, right? Like for for the internet and all that. Like, how have you seen the internet and social media kind of just change the landscape of businesses just in general, right? Whether it's small or these huge corporations, what have you noticed kind of in the last five years, let's say, as far as like the changes and the um, trends? Well, even kicking it back a little bit farther before five years. So when I, when I first started my like marketing journey was right at the time when businesses started joining Instagram, because if you can imagine, there was a time before social media when brands didn't care. There were no brands. There were, there were maybe brands and they didn't know how to navigate the space, especially large businesses, even down to like small businesses. And there was a moment, 2015, 2016, when brands hopped on, it was primarily Instagram, but then also Twitter. That's where you also started to see the rise of brands doing the like sassy Twitter thing. But between then and now, there's been such an emphasis on digital marketing within the social media space that comes from this like very formal and very serious part of the business that's coming from very straightforward advertising. It's coming from print ads. It's coming from commercials, from these very like rigid marketing strategies. But then as social media within the marketing space evolved, it just was able to become so much more fun and more less, less serious and more fun because these platforms and these strategies within these platforms are constantly evolving and they move so incredibly quickly that these previous campaigns that would be built out and would take like hundreds of people and thousands of dollars to execute on these major campaigns are are just being cut down to like tiny short little videos at this point that shouldn't feel like an ad that should feel like a person made it made it themselves and it's really kind of leveled the playing fields a bit from large-scale brands down to small businesses because everyone has a phone and everyone can shoot a video. So like everyone can support their own business. So like you don't need the big ad spend behind it to have a, have a video, have a viral moment. Yeah. And I, you know, I was going to tie it in because a lot of our audience are small business owners, small creators, and it's the same trends, right? We're talking about these trends that are happening on TikTok or on YouTube or Instagram. It's the same trends that bigger clients of yours or, you know, a small creator can hop on and take advantage of and engage sometimes in this kind of like 
this bigger pop culture conversation and be a part of the joke, right? I think that's the cool part about trends a lot of times is like, oh, you're in on the joke. And everyone who doesn't get it, they're not cool, right? Like they're, it's yeah. like this piece of fluff for every trend. It's like, hey, this is what the yeah. cool kids are doing right now. And who's not, right? If you're not up to date on these trends, then it could be a detriment or a missed opportunity, right? So yeah. I think it's important for, yes, bigger brands and like companies and stuff, obviously to like participate in the trends. But even if you're like a smaller creator, obviously this is what, this is how trends become trends because like everyone's engaging in it, but it's, it's fun. And two, it can like humanize you with your audience just by participating in a trend, right? So I think that's what's really cool about what we're seeing happening because it's kind of like, I don't know, it's just fun. I guess my only question here is what have been some of your favorite recent trends that um, if you hadn't um, over the past, like I'll give you like the year because I feel like there's so much <laughs> that happens. So. Oh man, I have so many things to say about that. Yeah, I, I just kind of rambled. No, it's okay. So let me start with the part where you said leveling the playing field and humanizing brands. So there's actually a benefit to being a smaller creator in the short form video landscape. So in your in your TikToks and your reels is that smaller brands are actually able to hop on these trends faster and in a more human way than larger brands because there's typically rounds of clearances that brands have to go through to use the trend. Where did it come from? Who did it first? Is it brand safe? Can it pass legal? Is it using a trending audio? Do you have Barbie cap cut dogs dancing on your thing? Can you use that IP? Like there's all of these challenges coming from larger brands because it's always at a risk. There's always a risk of brand perception changing within the audience because you like did something stupid on TikTok, right? But if you're a smaller creator, if you're a smaller business, you have you don't have these these hurdles to jump through because as a small business and as a smaller creator, you can individually decide if it's a brand risk to use Barbie dogs. I don't know why that's the one that I, I was like, that's the one. Uh, the Barbie dogs when they're dancing to Ice Spice. Um, <laughs> You can choose to feature Barbie dogs and Ice Spice on your channel as it relates to you and your small business. And you can do that without having to jump over any hurdles and and be so much more immediate on those trends where a larger brand, it can take days or even sometimes weeks to get all of those clearances to get your content live. And by that time, something else has already happened and Barbie dogs aren't current anymore. This leads me to a week ago, I saw a brand, not anyone that I work with and not anyone that I would name, but I saw a food brand do a corn song trend and I just was appalled. It it was offensive to me in (laughs) every part of my social media presence. Just, I was like, gross, how dare you? How dare you try to serve me a corn corn kid video right now? That's the song that popped into my head when Ray was talking, like you saying like trends of the year. And I'm like, yeah, the corn song. That's like the big. It was last year. Oh, that was last year. See, corn was last year. Yeah. (laughs) And for me, so to answer the question of what's my favorite trend of the year, I, because I'm so up close with the internet at all times, my sense of trend cycle is very, very skewed compared to the average person. Yeah. So there's trends that happened five days ago that I feel are are oversaturated. I'm sick of hearing about it. But but it's still emerging. I've, I'm just so embedded and so close to it and have done like the deep research as far as what started this? Where did it come from? Who started it? What are the byproducts of it? How, what are the crowd reactions to this piece of content? I've, I've already done all of this research and, and I'm sick of it, but it still is very, very emerging and still can be possible for like brands and small businesses to hop on. But honestly, like I couldn't tell you what happens two weeks ago. Yeah. 
total sense. <laughs> yeah. So is there, what would you recommend, like, let's say for, you know, a, a small business kind of, you know, trying to stay up on the trends. There's so many different places to, to look, you know, obviously there's all these like TikTok experts on like, oh, like trends and growth. There's spreadsheets, there's Google page. I mean, there's so much stuff. Like what are some of the, like, if you had to, to, to give like three pieces of advice, like to a small business trying to grow on social media, what would you say? Yeah. So this is like the question. This is like the number one question that I get asked from a small business standpoint is like, how do I do it with my socials? Mm -hmm. And there isn't a single answer. There isn't, there isn't a one size fits all answer, but really it comes down to setting goals that are, are reasonable and attainable for an individual's small business or, or smaller content creators page. The best way to find content to replicate and like the best way to find trends to hop onto is it's really just a good idea to be a conscious consumer when you are online and what what do you like what 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 do you like what trends are you seeing and then just put your own lens onto like your own lens and your filter onto the content that you're already consuming and figuring out how you can kind of put your own twist onto it. So there is a little bit of like trend searching, yeah. but if you're if you're already online, it's going to be coming to you kind of organically. And then when it comes to how much how much content, when should I post? Like people will ask me what's the best time of day to post content, but they haven't even made anything to post and I'm like well, let's make something first and then and then we can get it up and we can get it out. And it's way more important to just have content going live consistently. And once you have a little bit of consistency, then you can go back and audit and say, oh, I posted this in the morning. I posted this in the evening and figure out variables from there. But if you're hung up on what time of day to post and you're not posting anything, that's not working. <laughs> That's that's not going to get you anything if you're not even trying. So it's it's really best to put the content out on a schedule that makes sense for you and what's achievable. Maybe it's twice a week. Maybe it's twice a day. But setting yourself up for success and figuring out what's doable and what's achievable and then going back and auditing what worked and what didn't. And then you can get into the nitty gritty of time of day or like weekend or not weekend. I like to say daytime. Like that's my that's my stock response. So like what time of day? Daytime. Uh, I'm sure they love that. <laughs> I mean, I like <laughs> but I love the part about the conscious consumerism because obviously, like if people are listening, you were like, Oh, you gotta be up on the trends. You should be you should scroll on your feed more. I don't think that's like the best thing advice to give anyone, especially nowadays, especially myself. But it's really that conscious consumerism right because i mean i'm sure i'm not alone when i'm i open up my tiktok feed i'm like i'm doing research for trend <laughs> and next thing you know it's like two hours later and i haven't clocked a single thing i'm just like a, like i'm just like a zombies you know yeah. going through the app i think we've talked about this plenty of times and i i think it's the struggle of like being conscious about it and understanding like all right if i am seeing a sound more than once how many times right and like Oh, like, let me see when this sound was originally posted and let me see the top, you know, the top six videos for this sound. When were they posted? And if it's fairly recent, I'm like, oh, this is a trending thing and I'm going to jump on this right now. Like at least for inflow, right? Like maybe make content. Maybe this is a trend if it makes sense. Right. I think that's like one thing, you know putting that into your own consumerism and looking into it that way and knowing like, all right, this is my time to do the research for the social media aspect of our business. Not just, oh, this is Ray scrolling. <laughs> TikTok yeah. for like reprieve oh. in a socially awkward situation. Right. Yeah. yeah, as soon as I get one of those little like, do, 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 like the little song, it's like, you've been scrolling too long. I'm like, you should have. You don't have to do. I'll keep scrolling if I want. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I agree with Ray. I mean, I think I, with you, because yeah, I mean, you you have to be a consumer of 
social media in order to know what's going to work for your business, right? Yeah, totally. I actually have a really good tip for that because mm. you're going to scroll anyway, right? Like you're already doing it. You're already consuming media, like whether you like it or not, because we all just open and scroll. Like, like you said, when you're like, I'm a little bit uncomfortable, open and scroll. There we go. But there's a really easy way to just kind of bank that for later because TikTok, Instagram, they all have, yeah, Twitter, X, whatever we're calling. I can't not call it Twitter. So TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter all have like save and bookmark features. And you don't even have to figure out why you like something in the moment. If you're just doing your scroll, if you're just hanging out online and you're not thinking about it too much, if you see something you like, put it in a bookmark, like throw it in the folder. And then you can come back later when you're in a more analytic mindset. And you can look at all of these things together and say, okay, here's 10 TikToks that I bookmarked in the last couple of days. Like, what do I like about all of them? Is it a sound? Is it the way that it's filmed? Like, what do I like about it? And then how can I use that more distilled version to influence the content that you're making as a creator or for your small business? So, which kind of follows, I, I want to follow up with that and ask you, so, you know, you mentioned, you know, starting off with like your personal brand, right? And all that. Can you tell us a little bit about that and about your journey with that and starting your, your personal brand and then how it evolved from there? Yeah, for sure. So I've been doing, I've been doing stuff on the internet for like seven or eight years now in different capacities with different businesses. In 2019, I had like my first corp corporate marketing job in an office. And like looking back, it was so unserious, but like I definitely had to wear a nice shirt and go to a place. So that was my first like corporate marketing experience. And I did that for about a, for about a year in 2019. 2020 happened. I was furloughed immediately. And because I just have this personality type where I can't sit still, I, I am not the type of person to enjoy having time off. So as soon as I was furloughed, I hung out for a couple weeks and then I was like, well, better get started doing something else. So around that time, a lot, I have a lot of friends in bands and around that time, everyone figured out that they couldn't tour in the in the near future because of covid so i had a lot of friends bands come to me and say hey we need to figure out how to make money like we're not we're not touring what can we do and for some people it was starting record labels or releasing their own music and anything that they had planned for the rest of the year they they had albums releasing that they couldn't tour on so i helped those guys out and really just started figuring out like how to make money as a small business doing marketing and just doing it on my own. So shout out to all those guys. Like they really helped me get started in my own personal freelance business. And from there, I started working with local businesses, which are really beneficial. Like if you're, if you're into marketing at all and like you really want to like get started in it is to look for someone, a small business or like someone that you might know that you can assist with running their brand on socials is a great place to start. Even if you're not going to make a ton of money doing it, it's, it's a great way to just figure stuff out because almost always they're, they're, they'll be, they're just looking for more like feed in the door, more foot traffic, more, more sales, more something. And if you can help with that, even just a little bit, they're usually grateful. So I went from working with bands to working with small businesses. And then I got a big break. A friend of a friend connected me to Tumblr. And that's where my like, my, my big break was. It's where I really got to like work on an account that's in the millions with millions of account followers and really like was a stepping stone to where I am today. But yeah, it's, it was really a journey to figure out what I wanted to do and was really just like, not to glamorize grind culture, but like it was something that I really wanted and it was something that I knew that I was good at. And I just had to kind of make it happen and find my footing and and get it going. And then 
meeting, meeting up with you guys was totally part of that process because I was ready to get serious. I was like, I'm starting to work with people that are outside of my immediate friend circle. We're starting to hit friend of a friend. I had, I had one client that the honey, when the honeymoon period was over, it started to get kind of sour. And I was like, oh my God, I, I need, I need to form an LLC. I need contracts. I need better contracts just to protect myself, but then also to legitimize my business just in general. Mm -hmm. Take that next. Yeah, for sure. Like very obvious next step and getting just like LLC forms, getting even like contract review for not just for clients, but when I started to hire within my own business was totally a game changer for me. And just knowing that you guys had my back for that step of it was just so... It just put my mind at ease so much, like knowing that I had you guys in my corner. Thank you. I yeah, that's awesome. I mean, <laughs> I was gonna, I was just thinking. I think as a service provider yourself and service providers ourselves, I think just like anyone who's a service provider, we're not in the business of like really providing service. I feel like we're more in the business of empowering others. And I feel like if you switch that mindset and knowing that you know when. The, you know, the work you're doing, right? Or if you're, say you were a digital marketing coach, being able to step in and tell people like, hey, this is how you utilize trends in your business and it's how you be smart about it. You're empowering them to do that. And it leaves them better off. And I think a lot of people forget about that. I think a lot of people think they're just getting paid to paint someone's house. But in a, like, I don't know, just like the gratitude aspect of it, of knowing like, oh no, like what I'm actually doing is, I'm painting someone's house so in a certain way and that only I could do it that will allow them to, you know, I don't know, you know, this is going to be their, their first child's bedroom. So I, I don't know where I'm going with this analogy. Um, <laughs> no, I know exactly where you're going. Yeah. Um, you're not selling a service. You're selling features and benefits. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. You're not getting, you're not getting a freshly painted house. You're getting the best looking house on the block. Yes, exactly. That's what it right. is. Yeah, and I, you know, <laughs> yes, see, no, a little bit there. So yeah, I mean, I think that's where a lot of people fall short, especially, you know, when people are like, oh, I'm a social media manager now. Let me just like manage your socials. Well, yes, you're managing your socials, but most businesses and most business owners don't want to manage. A lot of people are like afraid of that, especially your local barbers and your local tattoo artists and stuff like that. You know, like they have their craft and they're good at that and they're told they should be on yeah, social media and they should be on social media but that's where you come in as a social media manager to alleviate that for them and empower them to do what they like to do and what they want to do and get more fleet in the door and make more money at the end of the day while also being able to employ you and you know you utilize your services so i think it's it's a lot like that scenario just this way you mentioned like us being able to talk about your contracts and make you feel good about utilizing your contracts and your independent contractor agreements of like bringing people on to help you. I feel like at the end of the day, you're looking at yourself, not just as a solo on like a solo person, like in a bubble, but you're, you're bigger, like bigger than yourself. Right. And I always preach about that to a lot of our smaller creators or solo creators who are businesses, but they minimize what they're doing. But at the end of the day, they are doing some really incredible things. And they should know that and treat it that way because that's how you eventually grow, right? So, yeah, absolutely. And there's something to be said that you touched on just a little bit, but it's knowing, it's knowing when you need help. You didn't say that word for word, but it's, it's mm-hmm. knowing that you might have a deficit in certain areas. So like when I got to the point of knowing for my business that I needed to start forming LLC and I started needing to get documents in place. I started to research. I started to read about it because I'm like big girl boss doing my, like doing it all by myself. And there's a certain point where you're like, no, I need help. And knowing when to tap in and knowing that like, it's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take a little bit of money, but it's freeing up the mental stress and then also freeing up the time that I would have been spending to like figure it all out that that's one scenario from like me to you guys but then that's also another scenario for small businesses to marketing professionals so like the barber example that you're using 
they can be amazing at cutting hair and like they can be an amazing tattoo artist or an amazing like person within that in that field but then asking them to do something else like learning how to market like that's that's a whole different job that's a whole different career so like you shouldn't expect your your barber to be like an a plus marketer and for someone like myself all i see all day is marketing i don't see any haircuts all day so when i look at a business like that i'm like oh you just need to fix a b and c of course there you go boom done why aren't you doing that and and to explain that to them would be like you guys trying to explain how to file my own llc and i'm well you just got you just gotta go you just gotta file the paperwork and i'm like i have no idea what you're talking no absolutely no and that that's a great point you know when when it comes to most businesses, I think, right? That's what they want to focus on. And I think that that's one of the, the things we always kind of, you know, just tell our clients, right? It's like, look, we want you to take care of what you're good at, you know, focus on your craft. Let us take care of all the boring stuff, like all the legal boring stuff, right? Which I guess it's it's same to be said about what you do, right? It's like, let let me do that for you. Yeah, exactly. There is a little bit of a misconception, though, when it comes to marketing and specifically in social media marketing is because everybody has it. Everybody has social media. And like, it's kind of a running joke in the marketing industry. That's like, oh, yeah, my cousin has an Instagram. He'll do it. <laughs> when it's, well, it's so much more than that. And it's like, I shouldn't be filing my own legal documents. And I also shouldn't be cutting my own hair. <laughs> yeah. There. I'll just do marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, and it's it's the also the you know the the growing pains, right? Like I think for everyone and trying to readjust readjust business and trying to figure out kind of what fits. You know, I mean, obviously we've done that. So you you had a, a project, right? That Dana does, right? Or you have a project. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that and just kind of how that? Yeah, for sure. So, so I was running my own freelance business, clearing six figures after three years, just on my own. And I had my roster of clients. At the time, I was established as an LLC, upgraded to an S Corp. I had two contractors that I employed on a regular basis who were helping me do my like day to day handling the really like grindy stuff that I didn't, I didn't have the time to work on. And so I finally reached this place where I was like, I have solid clients. What's the next step? Like what, what is the next step for me where I can start, you know, getting another stream of income and everyone talks about like passive income and, and all of these different ways that you can make money. So I, I looked at the marketing space and I looked at my skill set and I looked at the, the types of clients that I normally have, which are these small businesses especially like in the alternative space. Like I'm an alternative person. I have green hair and tattoos and posters and whatnot. Like I am an alternative person myself. So my clientele is very alternative as well. So I was thinking like, what can I do to help this community of people that I already have? So the next logical step for me was I'm going to go into coaching. Like I, I really believe in education of teaching people how to do things instead of me just doing it for them, especially at varying price points. Not everyone can can afford my day rate or my project rate. So to really help out my friends that would honestly like call me and I would talk to them anyway, but like put that into a more structured scenario where I could begin coaching and make income from that. So I spent the better part of like nine months or so, like six to nine months doing everything that I thought I was supposed to be doing. So I did a ton of market research. I looked at all types of coaches, what they were doing, how they set up their courses, what are they selling? How do they, how do they price, how do they price tier the things that they're selling? They have coaching courses. They have like all of these things. So I did a ton of research. Like I really, I signed, oh my God, I signed up for like 20 different courses just to see what other people were doing and like who's running a Facebook group, who's running a Discord server, like who's doing what, being a conscious consumer, 
what parts do I like? What parts can I take from my business that I can like mirror off of? And I, it was, it was all of this research. And then I was like, okay, well, how do we set this all up? And I taught myself how to do drip email campaigns for different, different parts of the journey of people's purchasing process. And I started writing eBooks. I wrote three eBooks that are just like chilling on my hard drive. And I did all of the things that I thought I was supposed to do to like get myself to the next step. And it was something that I really thought I wanted. Like I, I spent so much time on this and I learned things and I made things. And then when it was time for me to launch, I had three eBooks. I had consulting similar to like one-off consulting, similar to what you guys do for office hours, where it's like, I can, I can sell my time to people individually if they've signed up for this membership. And I had it all set up and I was like, okay, I am so ready. I will never be more ready than I am in this moment. And I, my plan was to soft launch, soft launch to a group of friends that I have, small business owner friends that I have, and then open it up to paid because I was like, if these 10 people that are in my circle of friends that I know and I trust and I know will give me honest feedback about what I'm doing. If I can't trust these 10 people to like help me out, then how can I expect there to be a, a want for this within the general public? So I soft launched to crickets and it was, I was so disappointed. It, it was what I thought I wanted. I spent so much time on this building it up and I soft launched to nothing and not to say that my friends weren't interested, but it was really the realization that like they're small business owners and they do not have time to take the courses that I was offering to them. Like they had time for like a one-off, like one-off phone call, let's talk shop. Awesome. Great. Like that's still a service that I provide. Like if someone wants to book an hour of my time, that's something that is totally doable. But the idea of small business owners actively signing up to do this when they're really just trying to run their business and aren't at a place to scale. They don't need my services yet. So it didn't make sense for them to be active and engaging within the like Discord community that I had built for them. And it was crazy. It was such a big eye opener. Like I, I, I just made all these plans. I made all these plans for what I thought it wanted, to, what I wanted it to be. And then it happened and then it just didn't. It was so crazy. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. And and I, I guess to follow up on that, I mean, you know, I mean that that's that's not uncommon, right? I mean that that happens all the time. Different businesses, different ideas, and they, you know, some fizzle out, some, you know, never see the full potential. Some might get, you know, put away for a little bit and maybe they'll come back. What would you say was your your kind of your biggest like learning takeaway from from that whole experience kind of maybe even going forward so the biggest learning experience was like you can't expect every idea to be a winner yeah. and and i'm just this type of i'm the type of person where i'm always thinking of something new and i always have like a new venture that i want to pursue but it's okay to fail like really the biggest part of this is that like I've hit so many wins that it was really just like a learning experience for me personally to have one that didn't win. Like I, I have such a good a toot toot to like my own horn, but I have, a, I've had a really great streak of like having good ideas and like executing on them in a way that makes sense to move me to the next step of where I want to be personally and in my career. And that one just didn't do what I expected it to. But hindsight, I learned so much about this, like, like the coaching process and the internal workings of how to build gated content and how to build, how to set up a bones for a community, even if the community didn't show up in the way that I expected. But then there's also an element of maybe I just like 
maybe that just wasn't the thing I needed at that moment because within the few weeks of me figuring out like, oh, hey, they're not doing what I expected. This isn't, this isn't doing what I, what I wanted was when my client with Tumblr started having viral moments. Like we, we started popping off and I, this is what I won my Webby for was I just had a really intense six weeks of spending <laughs> 10 hours a day on Twitter just talking shit to Elon. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh my God, like had I, had I gone through with this, developing this community, I would have had to let them down to be like, yo, I got to go be on Twitter with my like client. Yeah. So it it was... It was the type of thing where like, I didn't know what I needed in the moment. And it, it was really just a a big learning experience. I also realized that something that I personally need to build into different aspects of my business is being able to accommodate like busy times and slow times. And also that the initial plans that I had weren't scalable. Mm. So with the way that I had Dana does the community setup. It I could only have taken like 25 to 30 clients and been able to give them the attention that they needed and also be able to generate revenue in the way that I had expected. And I like the math just wasn't mathing and I didn't realize that until I found that I didn't have enough time to to dedicate to this project anymore. So like there was no scale monetarily but then there was no scale as far as like workload for myself like when would I even if if that had gone on like when would I have even taken like a vacation right yeah right and and I mean just thank you for sharing all of that you yeah. know a lot of times on the show or not I got calling it the show we have seven it's a show <laughs> but yeah 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 I shouldn't I shouldn't down talk but yeah I mean most of the times we're always hearing about the success stories right and I think it's important for a lot of our audience members to hear that, hey, not every, and this is something I always talk to our clients all the time too, because you know, you're not the only one and you know, we've been there too, where if you're a creator, it's just inherent, you're gonna fail. There's gonna be failures, right? Like mm-hmm. think about your favorite music artist. Not everything they release is a banger, right? Like there's a lot of songs that your favorite music artists and some of the most accomplished music artists, like musicians, they have some bad songs. <laughs> you know, that just like, or maybe this is not your favorite or just like, also, just not right. Didn't just meet not the time. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't. No one, no artist has everything is a perfect masterpiece, right? And like not everything Da Vinci did was Mona Lisa, right? He didn't do Mona Lisa, right? Yeah, <laughs> making sure I didn't mess that one up. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like not every, and that's the thing. Like if you're going to create, even from creating a course, creating a new business model, creating a new stream of income. Or literally just creating an Instagram post or creating like spending a day to make a YouTube video and then you post it and you get 30 views and you feel terrible about it. It's just inherent, right? Like, guess what? Mr. Beast gets millions of views now, but also you weren't there when you saw him when he was like failing every day for years straight and not meeting what his expectations were. Right. So it's just like, that's just natural to have those failures. Even us. Like launching, like we got extremely lucky when we said, oh, we're going to do a subscription model and we had no idea it was going to work. And, you know, we just kind of put a number on it and we just knew like, hey, like I was prepared for the mindset where it's like, all right, 85% or above, this is not going to work, but maybe that 15%, we can make it work. Or if it doesn't, we could switch course and figure out a system that does work. But, you know, you don't know that until you actually take the risk. And most of the times when you're creating things from a social media post, like it's most time it's probably not going to stick, but you won't know what sticks unless you're still making and doing those what we call iterations, right? Yeah, and and again, it goes back to kind of what you're pointing out, right? If if that door hadn't kind of shut, this other door wouldn't have opened, and you know, obviously, you got your your webby, so it's like the universe almost paying you back for you know for the work that you did. And I mean, I think that's that it goes back to like you said, I know you. You don't like the whole grind, the grind mentality, but I mean, it is, that's, that's exactly what it is. You just got to show up and it'll pay. It's, you know, it'll pay back. Yeah. And like, maybe not necessarily grind, like sun up to sundown, but like grind in a sense of 
knowing that it's okay to fail a little bit and then to just like get up and keep going yeah. with, with rest and reflection is what we're doing in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, rest, reflect, and then, you know, keep at it. And like you mentioned about like musicians putting out music and maybe it's, maybe it's like not their best. They wouldn't have put that out if they didn't think it was good. It's just crowd reception. Like the exactly. crowd wasn't receiving it the way that they had it, had intended. Because right. there's a bunch of songs they did put on the album. Right? Like, yeah, there's ones that they didn't put on the album. Exactly. That's like, the, yeah. And, and maybe it's like the t- right timing and concept. You know, I, you know that song, what's, what's that, that I want to push you around? You know, yeah, sure, it was a banger in the 90s. But right now, it's like, you know, probably just top of the pop culture charts because of the Barbie song, you know? And it's just like, yeah, for timing, you know, is also. Wait, I have the best example of this. I'm like, sorry, I'm Googling it just so I have my facts correct. Yes. Okay. Have you ever seen Speed Racer 2008? The Speed Racer movie that came out in 2008. Oh, no, no. I think I saw it at the movies once, and that was it. Okay, so it was, it when it came out in 2008, it tanked. It was, like, so poorly received. People absolutely hated it. So it was, if you go back, if you watch it now, it is spectacular. It is beautiful, and the crowd just, like, wasn't able to receive it when it came out. So it was directed by the Wachowski sisters who did The Matrix, made this insane visual adaptation of the Speed Racer cartoon. And it is beautiful. And it's like, it's so good now. But when it came out, everybody hated it. And really, it's just kind of like, maybe your audience isn't ready to receive. Maybe they're not picking up what you're putting down. Like, maybe they're not ready to receive the information the course the whatever whatever the thing is that you made maybe they're just not ready for it but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep going really it's like like marty mcfly you know at the at the dance you know it's like yeah what, what does he say he's like your yeah kids are gonna love this like but your kids are gonna love it right <laughs> or like as a star wars geek the prequels right it's like yeah everyone hated the prequels and now everyone loves them and like yeah but no, absolutely. Timing, context. Yeah. And I think that's just just part of social media, right? Part of yeah. the internet, part of popular culture is that it's you can't you can't push it. Mm-hmm. You can't shove something in someone's face and tell them to like it. It has to be organic. It has to kind of flow with with popular culture. And that's what makes I think popular culture so great. And I honestly for me it's it's I'm I'm with you. It's one of my favorite things. I just love consuming everything pop culture. Yeah. You know? just... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then you 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 just said it right now is like the singular that making the singular thing and putting it out and then like just doing one. I totally recommend like just to bring it back to like digital marketing and like social media and just like the common questions that people get asked that that people ask me one of them is like how much like how much content should I put out and you can't just do one thing you can't just put out one post and like expect it to change everything yeah more right (laughs) the answer is more the answer is that like the internet is a slot machine and you just gotta like keep Keep putting yeah. effort into it, and eventually it'll pay off. Yeah. Like it's no one yourself chances, right? You're just buying a lot every yeah. time you post something. Every time you create a new thing, it's a new lottery ticket, right? Or it's exactly. just like three iterations, another chance at luck, right? You know, because as we just mentioned, there's so many things outside of our control, right? We can't exactly perceive. We can't control how the TikTok algorithm is going to play. We can't control what SEO words are trending or like top ranked that month there's a lot of things outside of our control and like especially when we're doing marketing or just being a creator in general and creating something special for other people that it might not even get in front of them sometimes because once again things outside of your control and just because it doesn't perform well or it's not perceived that's criticism on the product and what you created not you personally right so absolutely 
when you create something and it doesn't do well or it doesn't meet spec or it doesn't meet, you know, what you expected of it, it's not you failing. It's that didn't do well. Right. And it's like maybe yeah, that's exactly. maybe I made a failure, but I am not a failure kind of situation. I think that's a big thing that a lot of people need to clock sometimes. I think a lot of people identify too much with what they create. And sometimes they blur the lines between themselves and their self-value to how things are being received for what they're putting out into the internet or into the world. So yes, absolutely. And and just because one thing doesn't do what you expected to, whether it's like a business venture or a singular piece of content, you just gotta keep like keep going and keep doing it because everything you're gonna learn from everything, whether it's like a post or a project. Whatever part did work and whatever what part didn't work, you can always move into something else. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I think that's that's great advice just in general, right? Just to kind of, I guess, if you had to summarize, like, you know, just one solid piece of, of advice for, for a business, what would you kind of say to, to a business that's listening right now? They're like, we want to learn how to grow. We want to learn how to tap in. YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. I like it. <laughs> YOLO. And I, you kind of just explained it, but I was going to just put a, a word. It's like that real, real resiliency, right? Just like being resilient yeah. and keep moving forward and, you know, don't put too much weight on what you're doing. YOLO and keep, keep moving forward, keep creating. And you never know. You never know when that lottery ticket will hit. So. Yeah. And also it's not so serious. Yeah. No. Like <laughs> the, the, the internet is fun. And if you're a small business or a small creator, like you essentially should really enjoy what you're doing. And if, if parts of it get too, too serious or start weighing on your mind too much, like it's not so serious and YOLO, like if it works, it works. If it doesn't go do something else. Do you have anything on the pipe, like coming down the pipeline? creator-wise that you're looking forward to or in the works of maybe doing one day. Always like to know what people are looking forward to because I know if you're like us, there's always something else out there that you're saying. So So always, yes. Mm. So actually, probably this week, maybe tomorrow, maybe end of the week, but very, very soon, I'm planning on launching a Substack newsletter with a handful of creators with with peers in the industry that I have. It's gonna, it's called Silence Brand. It is a substack written by unhinged marketing professionals within the brand space. So a lot of the people that you see that write funny things on behalf of brands on Twitter, we've all kind of gathered together and ganged up to kind of get our own opinions put out into the world because there's a lot of differing opinions right now about what marketing should be, that it should be serious and that it should be very professional and very, I just imagine everyone in college shirts. There's, there's a lot of like differing opinions, especially being projected at like mid to senior level marketing Mm -hmm. professionals about what Gen Z wants and what is considered professional marketing Mm -hmm. and coming from a place of memes and shit posting and knowing that like the internet is a very fun place and and that organic will win you tons of business more than anything polished and shiny will we're we're looking to put our own opinion out there because it isn't really well represented at this point you can find it at silencebrand.substack.com i think We'll link it. But, yeah, link it. But I'm yeah. so excited. I'm so excited to be part of creating a platform to get these voices out there because it's not something that is properly represented right now. And and it's also part of our audience for this is also to encourage younger marketing professionals that are just coming up that are maybe seeing this advice that says, don't talk about Duolingo and don't talk about Wendy's when you're interviewing because you'll never be taken seriously like i love both of those and i love all of the other and unhinged brands on the internet so like let's celebrate them let's get those voices out there and like let's encourage the next generation of marketing professionals to 
just to let them know that it's okay to take risks and be funny and it's not so serious and YOLO and just make good content, whatever. Love it. Yeah, I love oh, it. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dana. I mean, that it's it's always honestly, you're probably one of my favorite people to like chat with just because we learned so much from you. Number one, there's so much insight, especially because we're so involved in just that space, right? Especially social media. So really appreciate you taking the time out. And I know you're super busy. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And we'll link all your, your, your website and anywhere you want people to contact you or follow you. And obviously the Substack link as well in the show notes. Is there any other, you know, I don't know if you're just any other ways you want people, they want to follow along how they can or, okay, that should come. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's, I've been meaning to book an episode with you guys for quite a while. And I'm really happy that this is finally happening. I'm so excited to just be here with you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. We're excited to have this and this really was a treat for everyone. So. Yeah, thank you. Cool. Thank you, Dana. Thanks, guys.